All right, I'm ready. Today, I want to talk to you about media. We're going to have a conversation about media and, and keeping sober lifestyles in light of today's the media generation. So I want to have a media talk. And before I dive into media, uh, just a couple disclaimers. It's going to be a tough talk, but I want to just stop the enemies. This is not about condemnation. This is about redemption. Okay? It's about recognizing who we are in Christ Jesus. And I want to begin by saying this. You and I are called to be holy. And holy means that we have been called to be set apart, not like the world, not giving ourselves to the things of the world, but set apart for God's use. And so there's a scripture I don't have on the slide, but uh, I, I think I missed it, unfortunately. 2 Timothy 2.21 says this, If anyone cleanses himself or herself from what is dishonorable, he or she will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. God saves us. I want you to hear this. God saves us, but he calls us to engage in a sanctifying process by cleansing ourselves. It's my job to cleanse myself of the things of the world. Yes, his blood cleanses me of the sin guilt, but it's also my job is after I receive that cleansing from the blood of Jesus to engage in the continual cleansing of my mind and of my heart so that I will be sanctified unto the Lord, growing in holiness unto the Lord. And holiness is real. Holiness is tangible. Holiness is felt. Holiness is different. This is why saints of old, there's testimonies of saints of old that, that people would say that the presence of God was so heavy on individuals that without even knowing if they were believers, sinners would fall at their feet and they would say, oh, man of God, would you pray for me? For next to you, I feel that I'm a sinner in need of God's grace. Holiness is felt. Holiness is real. It is so real that when it's disregarded, God brings judgment even on those who are completely unaware of him. Take, for example, in Daniel's time, when King Belteshazzar was in power, and he took the vessels that were used for God's glory to engage in his debauchery and in his sinful behavior. The Bible says that when he took these vessels that were used in the temple of the Lord, that when he did that, that a, a hand appeared in midair and wrote on the wall, Mene mene tekel ufarsin. And it was judgment on him. Your days have been numbered, right? The word was your days have been numbered. You have been found wanting. Your days have been numbered. And immediately at that moment, Belteshazzar's life was taken from him. Because holiness it says, whether we acknowledge it or not. And so if we are called to be different, we should be preaching a message that doesn't line up to the culture. It has to be a counter-cultural message. And if it's a counter-cultural message, then it's bound to be offensive to someone. The Bible says that the light came into the darkness, and the darkness didn't like it. Right? Hid from the light but that the darkness did not have power over the light. So it's important to note that if we're going to live holy lives, not everyone is going to applaud. Not everyone is going to affirm. 
And if we are living holy lives, there will be some who will retaliate. You will have enemies. Jesus says, you will have enemies. Not everyone can be your friend. If you're a gospel believer, you will have enemies. This is a message that for some reason we have removed from the gospel. But if Jesus says you will have enemies and that we need to treat our enemies in a certain way, then we have to acknowledge, first of all, that they are enemies so that we can walk according to what Jesus told us to do in love, in grace, and in service. It's the message of the Bible. And so I will not compromise. can let myself believe that if I water down the gospel, people will receive the message that I bring. I find that comical. That Christ died for me so I can live comfortable. The truth is not optional. I'm not the kind of artist that wants to gain for self instead of reaping God the harvest. Let us be honest. I'm not trying to be an alarmist. But if I am the light, how could I blend in with the darkness? We're not accepted not because we lack love in our words, but because our words carry love past the outer courts of the eyes of a man and the mind of a man. And we remind every man of the lies of Satan and we stand in the land where truth is absolute no matter what the reason, no matter what the crisis, and no matter what the season. We'll preach to ghetto children and to lead us in position the same Jesus, the only hope outside of the road to perdition. We will not compromise. We will not compromise. This is the gospel. And so when I talk to you about media today, and we start diving about into some of the realities today, I want you to understand that secular media is counter-gospel. It's anti-Christ in many ways. I'm not trying to ascribe to media something greater than what it is. It's a medium just like money, right? Money is not in itself evil, but the love of it is. Right? And so in the same way as we talk about media, um, we're, we're going to just have a tough discussion about media and what's really happening in our world today uh, in regards to media and the, and the way it's affecting our lives and relationships. And I want us to just be aware, the gospel calls us to live different than the world. Okay? Can you agree with me on that? Amen. Now, as we dive into the, mess, into the scripture... Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 on down. The word says this, and, and, and the scripture that I'm going to read is just to help us have a goal and help us get clarity, right? And, and the, what the scripture does is it takes away the, the blinds that the world gives us. And one of, the, one of the goals of our lives should be that the end should be in sight. We should live our lives with the end in sight, with Jesus' return in sight. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Let's pause right there. We're just going to talk through this. Don't think I'm going to get through everything that I planned for today, but that's not, that's okay. I just want to get through some good conversation with you today. Let's look at that verse. Brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we, don't, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord, that is when the Lord returns, when he comes back, right, will come like a thief in the night. What does that imply? Unannounced. What else does it imply? Huh? You're not going to hear it. What else does it imply? Some won't, some won't recognize it, for sure. What else? 
like a thief in the night. And there will be those whose treasure is in this world will lose everything. Right? Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Let's pause right there. How does that speak to us? What is that saying? Huh? It's making a description of how painful it will be, right? Validating the pains of pregnancy, glory to God. (laughs) There's nothing you can do to escape it. There is no escaping this. What else grabs your attention about this verse? What do you mean by that, brother? It's the opposite of what anybody's looking for. There you go. Peace and safety, right? They're saying peace and safety. What's, what's the big deal? Peace and safety. Relax. Carolyn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That is interesting. Sometimes we pray for peace and safety. And it, the Bible does teach us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Right? That temptation word is, is really root, is trial and tribulation. Lead us not into that place of testing that will overcome us. But if you do, deliver us from the evil. So there's nothing wrong in praying for peace and safety. But we have to understand that in this world, we will have trouble. But take courage. Jesus overcame the world. So basically, it's given us a picture prophetically of what's going to take place. People are going to go about life declaring peace and safety. Like nothing is happening, like nothing's going to happen. And that's exactly when Jesus will come back. And there's a lot of Old Testament stuff that kind of lines up with this. Jack? A false peace. And a f- okay, now Jack says destruction is not going to come to the church. It's going to come to those who are trying to seek this false peace and security in life. In the Old Testament, you find it over and over again that people have this false peace and safety. Like the people of God would say things like, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, that's who we are. So we're safe no matter what. We're the people of God. We're the people of God, so we're safe. And Jeremiah came and said, don't you say you're the people of God, the people of God, and you're safe because you're not. You're about to go into exile, right? So Jeremiah rebuked them for that. And, And then another prophet would say, why are you so excited about the Lord's return? That's like fleeing from a lion to run into a bear. You shouldn't be excited about the return of the Lord. It's very interesting. The prophet would declare that. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on the pregnant woman and they will not escape. In other words, why shouldn't they be excited? Because their lives were not lining up, right? In the, Old Testament, the lives were not lining up to the kingdom. But of course, if we're awaiting for Jesus and living for him, we're excited about his return today. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. In other words, you church... You're not in darkness. You're not living in darkness. This day shouldn't surprise you like a thief in the night. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, because you don't belong to the night or to the darkness, spiritually speaking, symbolically speaking, 
speaking. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But let's stop at verse 6. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. What does that imply? There you go. Sober, self-controlled. Self-control um, is, is a great part of being sober. That's, that's, an, that's an accurate translation. Sobriety um, ha- has to do, it's, I would kind of put sobriety as the big word by which we have clarity, by which we have self-control, right? Sober, you know, we may look at sober and think of people who struggle with alcohol, but we need to redeem that word altogether. Sobriety, spiritually speaking, is being able to discern truth be able to discern deception, be an awareness of the presence of God and the voice of God and the will of God. That's sobriety, right? God wants us to be spiritually sober. So what does it imply? So then, let us, let, let's just stay right there. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. What does it imply? Mm-hmm. Yeah, proactively living out the walk. Okay. Uh huh. Don't hide in the darkness. Don't live in the darkness. Stay focused on the Lord. Who is Paul talking to? He's talking to the church. In other words, we can be children of God and choose to be in darkness. Do you understand this? The word says, therefore, since you're children of God, don't live like the world. Which means that if we do, the day of the Lord will catch us like a thief in the night. You understand the implications here? That there could be severe consequences to the church if we choose to be asleep like the world. Yes, the armor of the living God, Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll dive a little bit into it. Did I see another hand over here? Yeah. Watch. The, rea- the reality there is alertness, right? So, Bridie, be alert. Be intentional about that. And then let's go back to what Sister Carolyn read, verse 8. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing in this world. Okay. So basically... We have to be awake because Jesus is coming like a thief in the night, and it will be inescapable, inescapable for those who are not ready. And we as a church have a responsibility to be awake and sober because even though we're children of God, according to the scripture, it implies very clearly without question that if we're not awake, that if we're not sober, that there are consequences that we will suffer as well, right? And he says, put on the breastplate, 
and the hope of salvation. Um, put on love, uh, faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. It says this about the church, and this is something that we have to keep in mind. God has not appointed us to wrath. God has not appointed, uh, regardless of what your position is, on, on pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, the rapture happening before the trial, sort of happen, the rapture happening after. I am a pre-tribulationist. I believe the rapture will happen before the trials. The assemblies of God is predominantly a pre-tribulation, uh, um, uh, holds that position. But my salvation is not staked on that, right? Because it could totally be post. It could totally be whatever, right? I could totally misunderstand the whole deal. I love what Keith would say. I'm pan-trib. At the end, it's going to pan out. <laughs> right? You know, my salvation is not staked on that position. You know, I am alert and ready, no matter what that reality may be. But we know for sure that no matter where that takes place, God has not appointed the church to wrath. Are you with me? God has not appointed the church to wrath. Now, let's put on the helmet of salvation. Put on the breastplate of, right, of, of faith and love. And what does the breastplate do? Protects the vital organs. It says that breastplate here, it describes this as hope of faith and love. Keep your faith in God, right? And lo love the church, love the Lord. Live this way, right? Live this way. And then the helmet of salvation. What, is, what does the helmet cover? The mind. We are to be meditating on the saving work of Jesus Christ every day of our lives. If we're supposed to have the helmet of salvation, we are supposed to be engaged with God in the process of salvation every single day. And that's not just thinking about the cross and what Jesus did for us on the cross and, and, and him redeeming us on the cross, but saying, Lord, today your salvation is redeeming me. Your salvation is setting me free from strongholds. Today, I'm meditating on you, and I'm asking you to wash me, cleanse me, right? Redeem me, renew me, and, and, and show me the deception that may be operating in our lives because we are all aware that there's deception that the Lord is delivering us from every single day. Amen? Can I get a witness? Okay, a couple of us, right? So I see your hand. One second. So then in the, in the, in the re, with, with that reality in mind, it says, keep the helmet of salvation on. It also speaks of the vision. The goal in mind. What is that goal? We are awaiting the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your main goal in life is to be ready when Jesus comes back. Are you with me? Our main goal in life is to be ready for Jesus' return. Everything else falls short. We have to be ready for Jesus' return. Um, and, and then let's, let's we move forward, Diane. Yeah. 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 He gives it to us, but we have to put it on, right? It's all there, but we have to make a decision to put on everything that God has given us. We're day, not light, not darkness. Right? And so God kind of gives a description to us. But again, we have a choice to make. Are we going to put on the things that the Lord 
has given us, and are we going to put off the things the Lord tells us to put off? Colossians speaks of that over and over again. Put on, put off, put on, put off. It's something that we have to do. Now, as we dive again, I wanted to keep that in mind because I think that we have to, if I'm engaged in God's salvation process and my mind is fixed on God's salvation process, then that means that I'm also protecting my mind from things that could, uh, could uh, corrupt my mind, right? Because here is where the battle is won and lost, right? It's a big battle happening right here. I have to guard my mind, and I guard it by thinking of Jesus Christ, thinking of his ways, and engaging in the salvation process. Now, as we talk about media and its effect on our minds, um, I just want us, and, and what's happening culturally, before we dive into all that and we keep the scripture in mind, again, the goal in our lives, the goal in our lives is to keep Jesus front and center, wait, awaiting, being ready for Jesus' return. I want to say this before we dive into some terrible truth in regards to media, secular media, and that is this. Number one, greater is he that lives in you than he who is in the world. Can we say that? Greater is he that is in you than him that lives in the world. Greater is Jesus that lives in you than whatever darkness is in the world. You understand that today? So when we approach these topics and we talk about statistics and we hear how great some darkness may be, darkness is never greater than our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe that today? Jesus is greater than everything. So we have to keep that in mind. Then I want us to note this about media. Secular media, what we see in media, it's here to stay. What, what you're seeing in media and the debauchery that exists today, it's, it's there. Facebook is not going away. Snapchat's not going away. Instagram's not going away. Twitter's not going away. Movies are not going away. Media is a reality of life, right? And it's going to be here, and it's not going to change, right, until Judgment Day. There's good media, too, right? And media could be used for good purposes. But, you know, you may see some of the stuff that's going on, and you may see some of the commercials. You're like, that's terrible. Can you believe that? I can't believe that. I we got to kind of recognize the world is going in one direction. The Bible says, 2 Timothy chapter 3, it's going from bad to worse. Right? The end of all things is near. Things are, are going from bad to worse. So we know that it's a reality that we're dealing with, and it's going to be like that until Judgment Day. So we got to be ready. Now, I want to talk to you about some things that we know today about media altogether, some research, and I'm going to quote some of the, I'm going to tell you some of the sources for this. Today, uh, Fox Business News says that 4.5 hours Americans are spending, average American spends 4.5 hours a day on social media. Most news, even CNN, uh, I shouldn't have said that. Most news say that most people are spending 10 to 13 hours of screen time a day in America. I, I found that unbelievable. Like, and that's, I'm, I'm basically seeing everything that I saw said anything between 9 to 13 hours. I'm like, how in the world are we spending that much time? And when I'm talking about screen time, you know, on the Internet, on, on, on watching movies, whatever it may be. Uh, when it comes to social media, it is an $8.3 billion industry. In 2015, it made $8.3 billion. Facebook 
in Facebook, people see now about 8 billion, 8 billion average daily video are viewed from 500 million users. Snapchat users watch 6 billion videos every day. That's another social media. Youth adults spend an average of one hour and 16 minutes each day watching videos on digital de devices. Right, so, so that's just the video part of, of the media. 78% of people watch online videos every week. 55% watch every day. Teens are said to spend an average of nine hours a day um, on social media alone. So this is not just screen time. They're saying that after extensive research, this is in 2016, they found that teens are spending, and I don't even know how it's possible, right? Uh, but over and over again, whether it was CNN or whether it was Fox or whether it be Brand Watch or whether it be Covenant Eyes, uh, the, the average is somewhere around nine hours a day on social media. And here's something that's been found, and you can look, look this up in Covenant Eyes, and multiple sources are now saying this. Addiction to social media is very real because people are addicted to the affirmation, they're addicted to the likes, and they're addicted to the, the, the basically the approval that they get through social media. So there's a trade that's happening, relationally speaking, where people are not lo no longer looking for intimate relationships for their affirmation. They're looking for the thumbs up. Be, and, and it's actually doing something where it's releasing endorphins, right? And it's creating an addictive behavior uh, in our lives that we depend on Facebook or whatever it may be to a certain extent. Again, let me say this disclaimer again. I'm not speaking negatively about social media. It's a medium, but I'm saying that it can become addictive, right? It can become a problem, and it, it is a problem if we're spending that many hours. Now, in regards to pornography, I'm not going to go through that. Um, but um, let me just read this really quickly. The following percentages of men say they view pornography at least once a month. 18 to 30 years old, 79%. 31 to 49-year-olds, 67%. 50 to 68-year-old, 49%. Uh, in the church, the last research I saw on Covenant Eyes, uh, one out of two men in the church struggle with pornography, Right? And that is increasing as well among women because of the media and the trend that media has set and the things that uh, media have exposed people to. Now things that were not so common within women are becoming very common because the Bible says guard your heart because out of it flows the issues of life. And when we open our hearts to wickedness, what happens is we begin to feed appetites and get an appetite for worldly things. I'm not going to go through all that. I don't have the time. I can send these slides to you. I would love to. Media research shows this. 68%, this was in a, this is just recent. 68% of divorces, uh, this was the marital, uh, there's a, a, a research firm that focuses on marriages and was doing a research on what were the main causes for divorce, some of the main causes for divorces in America. 68% of divorces involved one party meeting a new lover over the internet. 56% involved one party having an uh, obsessive interest in pornographic websites. 47% involved spending excessive time on the computer. 33% involved excessive time spent speaking in chat rooms. 
People spent an average of 10 hours, 39 minutes each day with smartphones, tablets, TV, radio, computer, computers, and video games during the first three months of 2016, according to a Nielsen Company study. It was nine hours and 39 minutes during the same period in 2015. I don't know about you, but when I read that stuff, it's staggering to me. Anybody find that stuff unbelievable? Just find it unbelievable that people could spend two hours a day. You know, this is just reputable research that I'm looking at. I find it unbelievable that there are people actually spending two hours a day. And, uh, and one of this research was a group, of, uh, a group of people committed to putting something on their phone and putting something on their screens that will log how much time they actually spent doing these things, right? So this stuff is not just being fabricated. Now, let me just say this about media. Do not expect media to ask for permission. Media will not ask for your permission. Does that make sense? Do not expect media to make the right decisions with your children. Do not expect media to make the right decision with your mind. You have to be proactive. You got to be engaged. Even with the video games that kids download on the apps. I don't know how many video games my kid downloaded that have advertisement, and the advertisement is completely inappropriate. Video games, right? You got to remember, it's about the money, and they're going to put all kinds of advertisement that's not going to be pleasing to God. Do not expect media to ask for permission in today's age. All media, let me say the second point, all media has a doctrine for life. All media, whether good or bad, will try to push a doctrine for life. What, did I, what do I mean for that? Doctrine means a certain code of values and morals and a new normal, right? All media, all movies, all music is trying to promote a normal. What is a normal? And so what you entertain yourself whether it be a movie or something, it's promoting what is normal. What is normal about sexuality, what is normal about relationships, what is normal about handling finances, all of it. All movies, all cartoons, all of it is promoting a normal, and it's trying to send the tr set a trend. It always has a message that it drives. It always has a moral code it promotes. It always follows a trend. It always tries to become a movement. It is trying to promote a new normal, but there's something that it never does. It never not voices its opinion. All media will always voice an opinion. It's never just opinionless. 1 Timothy 4 says this, Watch your life and doctrine closely. In other words, watch your life and the things that you believe, the way that you live. Persevere in paying attention to those things, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. You need to understand this as we go through. Media is not harmless. Media is not harmless. It rewires the mind. It changes the appetite. Again, media could be used for good purposes. Media could be used for negative purposes. There's good movies, there's bad movies. Facebook could be used for good, it could be used for bad. And Facebook could become an idol or whatever other social media could be out there. But I want to talk here specifically about the pornographic world. It is not harmless. It rewires the mind. 
over and over and over again, studies have shown that exposure to pornography would change our appetites, sexually speaking. Over and over again, I've sat with people who have said things to me. Over, I don't know how many times I've sat with people who have said, you know, I just, uh, I just keep going back to it. I make up my mind not to do it, but I keep going back to it. I can't stop. Some of you have even said it wasn't this bad, but it just got progressively worse to the point that I started having, and I'm going to be very I'm going to be very uh, frank with you guys here. I started having what I thought was normal sexual deviance to stuff that I never thought I even would ever desire. Pornography led me in that direction is what this individual was saying. How many times someone has said, in my marriage, we don't, we don't do sex anymore. I, I don't get aroused in my marital relationship. Pornography does that for me. We're talking about in the church. Are you with me today? It is not harmless. It rewires the mind and it changes the appetite. Here's the good news. You ready for the good news? You can train this mind again to have the right appetites. But it takes training. It takes a willingness to get exercise this mind towards holiness. Right? It takes a willingness to say, God, I want to submit this to the cross, and I want to submit this to your will, and I want you to rewire this thing to be pleasing to you. You can gain, I'm going to say it, you can gain an appetite for appropriate sexuality with your spouse, redeemed from the filth of the world. It could happen, but you've got to submit this to the cross, and you've got to be willing not to give up on yourself when you slip up. Because when we become an addict to something, it means that it has control of us, and if we're going to get free from that deal, then we have to accept this reality. I got to get engaged in this fight. I may get knocked down, but I'm not staying down. I'm going to get back up, and I'm going to fight until I get completely free. Amen. And I, I've shared with you over and over again about how often I fasted and how often I prayed to get that freedom from pornography in my life and how often I wanted this freedom in my life and I just kept fighting and I kept fighting and I kept fighting, I kept falling and I kept fighting, I kept fighting. But God has rewired my mind. Praise the Lord. I want to testify that there is freedom and I've lived free from pornography for many, 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 many years. Glory to God. God has rewired. He is capable of rewiring our minds. And I know, I thank you for being patient as we, this is why we need a foyer space, right? I thank you for being patient as we go through this. But I want you to know, it isn't harmless. Our, the Word of God says this, keep your heart with all vigilance, for, for from it flows the springs of life. It also says, death and destruction are never satisfied, and neither are the human eyes. Whatever you open your eyes to, whatever you give yourself to see, you're going to desire and that desire will never be quenched. Now, let me say this. We'll just close with this, and we'll continue next week. So how should the church respond to today's media, to the pornographic onslaught, to the issue that, that we are having today where we don't even know how to do relationships in a sense anymore because we're so social media driven. I think we need to do this, especially can I speak to parents about this? If I could just say this. Don't, we can't be in the business of just keeping away. 
we have to learn to instill righteousness. Does that make sense? We can't just keep away. It's not just keep away all the time. It's about instilling righteousness. Of course I'm going to keep away from pornography. Of course I'm going to keep away from things that I know are not righteous. But you know what? My kids are going to go and, and they're in the world. They're going to be having relationships with kids who have different values. They're going to hear things that we don't agree with. One time we may be watching TV and a commercial may come up that is completely corrupt, right, and affects my children. And at that point, you know, I can't be a hermit and I can't protect them from everything. Anybody here understand it? There's going to be things that are going to come. We're not going to be, you know, they're just going to come. To, in today's day, as Josh McDowell says, it's no longer when, what will, if it will happen, it's when it will happen. You know, there will be things that will be set our way that we may not agree. When that comes, the hope is not that you're just keeping and protecting from bad, but that we're instilling in our hearts and in the hearts of our children righteousness, a desire for holiness, so that when that stuff is shown to them, they would immediately be repulsed by it and say, no, I choose holiness. I don't want my, I don't want my daughters to, to not know about sex. I, you know, I want them to be aware of what that is. I want them to know, be aware of pornography to a certain extent, how evil it is, right? We want them to know how evil it is. I want them to be able to be aware of what's bad and what's good, right? I want them to have discernment, and I want them to be repulsed at sin and choose holiness and righteousness, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness' sake. And then Proverbs 21, whoever pursues righteousness and love, love, uh, whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. So my wife said something last night as we were having dinner. She says, uh, let us not only ask for protection from danger, let us ask that we would be dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Would you stand up with me? Next week, um, I like to talk. Uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit deeper about social media and how social media can be a deadly trade if you're trying to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. How social media could really be a total distraction if you want to be a disciple of Jesus. And again, I'm on social media. You know, I use social media but I'm not owned by social media. Amen. So we're going to dive into that next week. Let us not only ask for protection from danger, let us ask that we would be dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Let us ask that we would be dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Church, um, I hope that today with half of this message, that at least in your spirit, something is screaming, enough is enough. Enough is enough. I hope that today something is saying today is the day to get rid, to cleanse ourselves of the things that keep us from running full force for Jesus. I hope today we wake up to the reality that no, media is not just harmless and devoid of an opinion. It has doctrine and we have to be watchful. Let's pray. Father, right now I pray for your church. I pray for your people. I pray God make us alert that we would be aware of the dangers that are out there, but not afraid. We're not afraid. We are not intimidated at the darkness because the darkness doesn't have power over the light. We are the light. 
We are the light. And God, I thank you that you can rewire our minds. I thank you, Father God, that you can change us from the inside out, God, and that you call us to participate in that changing process. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit will be with us so strongly throughout this week so that when we watch whatever we watch and get on social media as we often do, that God, that we would be aware of your presence with us so that we can say, you know what? This is not something I feel comfortable doing. This is not the, the kind of time I want to spend watching this. So that we can be aware of the things that please you and the things that don't please you. Lord, make us aware of your presence so strongly, so much so, Father, so much so, Lord God, that we, that we, Father God, sense the fear of the Lord. And God, we yield to you instead of yielding to the desires of the flesh. This week will be a week of victory because your church will say, enough is enough. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Church, love you. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you next week. Amen. Bless you.